Welcome to a quarantine COVID-19 inspired episode. This is a kids and parent episode, so sit down, feel free to share this episode with your kids, listen together, and this is something slightly different than I normally do, but there's a need for it, and I was fortunate enough to reach out to Mr. DeMeo of YouTube, and a lot of the kids listening are probably very familiar with his videos, and we get to hear all about Mr. DeMeo. He has really fascinating background. He's a great teacher and just really appreciate all of his time. And throughout the episode, there are just sporadic, only a handful, like three or four times where we've built in one of Mr. DeMeo's songs for your kids to get up and be active as they're listening. It might sound something like this. So hopefully you guys enjoy this. This is something totally different, but I wanted to put something out there for parents with kids so that you guys can spend time together and hopefully have a common interest here. Enjoy this episode. It is Sponsor Light. So big thank you to the Patreon supporters, Exoskin, Kogala, Hammer Nutrition, Destination Trail. Let's get to it. I remember I'd, I signed up for a race once. And me and my friend said, we're going to take our time. We're going to, let's do the first couple miles together and we're going to stay together. And we were right on the front. Well, you know, the race was starting we're right in the front. I see a guy go in front of me and he books it. And I left my friends immediately. I was like chasing this guy, <laughs> like, like a dog chasing a car. And I, there's something in me that can't. Hi, this is Mr. DeMeo and I'm an educational YouTube teacher. Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Herbert. I got a bird shirt. I'm licking sherbert. And I go chirp, chirp, chirp. My name is Herbert. I got a bird shirt. I'm licking sherbert. And I go chirp, chirp, chirp. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thanks. I respect that, man, so keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Air Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra Podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hi, this is Alex Nichols. Uh, welcome to the Training for Ultra Podcast. I was physically totally wrecked i i had nothing left i figured i might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if i was going to be moving towards it anyways how do you even do that decided if i could you know finish a 50 miler i could probably run across the country 100 miles is not that far hey this is carl meltzer the speed goat and i want to welcome everybody to the training for ultra podcast all right, we have a different episode today. I wanted to invite someone actually my son Ben got me into on YouTube, Mr. DeMeo, who does educational videos for kids. I wanted to develop an episode here where the mom, dad can sit down, not worry, turn on a podcast with their kids and just enjoy it. So 
we'll see how this episode turns out. This is kind of an experiment in a sense, but I really respect uh, this this next guest and uh, just honored to have him on the show. So, Mr. DeMeo, I mean, how how should I uh, refer to you? Like, uh, Mike, you call me Michael, Doctor, Doctor Sir King of the Andals, uh, <laughs> Stormborn. I don't know. You can just call me Mike. Everybody calls me Mike, but Mr. DeMeo, if you want to. A lot of people who know me from the videos, I think, find it weird calling me Mike because they have been watching me and know me as Mr. DeMeo for so long, but whatever you feel comfortable with. So your your actual name is Mike Michael DeMeo. Mike DeMeo, so yeah. You, so your YouTube, your YouTube like personality, educator, teacher persona on uh you know on social is just your last name yeah i my friend recently asked me the guy i work with and he's in some of the videos too he was like do you regret putting your name in there like you could have did something awesome you know (laughs) dr doom or something you know but i went with the old faithful last name i didn't expect it obviously to blow up to what it is but yeah it's all my real stuff man i mean you're seriously impacting the globe I, whether you realize it or not i know you're probably approaching 200,000 people on youtube right now and i mean i just know firsthand what it's like to be in lockdown right now and like not being able to take the kids outside really comfortably and they can't play on the playground and so you've been part of the family in a weird sense you know we we watch your videos and no one feels guilty turning yours on because you're teaching great stuff for the kids. That's kind of always what I wanted to do. And I thought I always wanted to do something that parents didn't mind if they put on. You know, it's always easy to hand a kid a tablet and say, you know, you know, give me a moment for myself, especially in the face of a quarantine. But with, I always felt like with my videos, I wanted to create something that a parent didn't mind if their kid was sit there and glued to and interested in. So there's very few you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome. Where, where are you from? Like, are you, I'm from uh, North. I'm from New Jersey, East coast. I'm like half hour away from New York city. So we are in the epicenter right now. of Coronavirus. Yeah. You're on serious (laughs) lockdown. I mean, how's it been for you? How have you, and your wife handled this situation. Um, it, it's a so in terms of because I'm a teacher in, in real life, aside from the YouTube stuff, and uh, that's probably the hardest thing is not having a chance to see my students. Like, because when you're teaching, you, you, everything that gets you out of bed in the morning is seeing those kids and working with them and making a difference in their lives. And when you're not with them physically and you're not teaching them you're not having conversations with them it's a lot harder to teach online in that kind of way uh, videos wise it's the same because i can you know devote a little more time now um my wife and i are we're we just just changed you know we just rather than uh, going to the gym we go for jogs or we go for walks or you know things like that but that was uh, that was unexpected. I I thought I'd bring up running first, so I beat you to it. I was ready. I was ready. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, no, I, I, t- I can't imagine being so used to like this stimulus. Like you're probably gaining something from teaching a class. The kids are obviously like what, what, um, grade level are you teaching? I teach fifth grade science and social studies. Okay. And have you guys tried to do remote learning at this point or has, have they just called off the year or? No. So we called off school on March 13th and we've just been remote learning ever since. So kids go online with me and they chat with me and I made specific videos just for them that I don't share on YouTube that are just mine and I share with them and uh, that's pretty much all I've been doing like crazy. But It's like playing to your strength of any teacher on the planet. (laughs) I I mean, seriously. That's what everybody says says to me. They're like, this, the quarantine was built for you because I'm the kind of guy like when it comes to my videos and stuff, I sit at my computer and I do not get up for hours on end until I'm done and I have a finished product and or something, you know, I'm at a good stopping point. Same thing with like when I'm grading papers or lesson plans. So this in terms of my work ethic, yeah, um I got it down in terms of that way, yeah. So I'm I'm interested to know do kids respond better to funnier videos? So if you are teaching curriculum on a video on Jupiter, for instance, not that I really enjoy that one of all your videos, but um, like, do kids respond and test better on Jupiter because it's funnier or like more engaging than Absolutely. maybe some other videos? Yeah, I found because early on when I started doing this, my older videos, if you go back and you want to burn your eyes by watching them because they're bad, <laughs> if you go back and you watch them, they're not that funny. They're very – there's an occasional joke or two, and it still kind of has the bones of my sense of humor. But I found that the more I put of me into the videos, the more I exposed the comedy in, of the sense of it, the more kids were watching it. And they inadvertently learn the things that I'm putting in there. So they're watching it for the jokes and the humor, but they also – you know, consuming the facts and the information that I'm presenting to them. So totally funnier videos always get more views, but it also, it has to be a topic of interest too. Like some, I have some really funny videos that kids don't watch because they're just not interested in them. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, it's part of the reason I, I reached out to you because I was so blown away at my son just consuming basically every video you put out there. But I was also having conversations with him separately where we're talking about trail running and he's talking about snakes or you know like whatever like he was connecting the dots and definitely remembering stuff on like kind of a next level so i was blown away yeah that's uh, always my goal it's like a laughter i always feel is a gateway into learning and it's because it was the way i was with school if i had a teacher who took the time to get to know me and joke around with me, I felt more connected to them and more uh, interested. And I, I didn't want to like disappoint them in a sense. I wanted to learn in their classes. And I feel like when it comes to YouTube, if you get them laughing, uh, they're hanging in there. They, they want to see that next joke. But then, oh, what was that? What was that information about a snake that they just said? They're going to go back and they're going to say, oh, wow, I had no idea about that. And yeah. you've now piqued their curiosity and, it just opens up a door that 
uh, to learning. It's awesome. I mean, if it's not talking about snakes or tornadoes or earthquakes, it's megalodons and sharks. And <laughs> these are all my video topics. I, yeah, you're yeah. just rattling them off. <laughs> no, and I I am not even looking at anything. Honestly, I've just had conversations with my son, and my littlest. I mean, he's taking it in. I don't know. I don't know how much is going to stick, but he's not even two yet. Um, I, I try to put with little ones like that because I have friends whose kids are like three who watch, and I try to just make cool visuals that I know that they would watch. And same thing with the songs. The songs are, are a gateway for those types of kids too. Like a, like a two-year-old, regardless of what they're learning, they're going to hear my weird My Name is Herbert song, and they're going to go, ooh, uh, they're jamming to it. They see dad laughing, they see mom laughing, and they want to watch it. So they're getting something out of it, whether it's a lot or a little. You know? No, you're you're a genius at putting it all together because it's educational, entertaining, hilarious. But engaging, I think, is probably the hardest thing with kids, especially these yeah. days. So you're you're putting it all together, and I'm just blown away. Thanks. Um, I always try to make it like uh, I always say it's fifty one percent comedy and forty nine percent information. It doesn't always <laughs> seem that way. To like a parent might watch it and initially they'll be like, oh, this is 90% information, 10% funny. I mean, do the video topics say more about Mr. DeMeo or do they talk about (laughs) – or do they say more about your curriculum that you're teaching or what – how do you pick topics? Like when I saw Mount Everest, I was like, Ben – Get your apple juice. Sit down. We're we're watching. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I love that one too. Um, so it's a couple things, and uh, it, it's evolved over the years. When I first started teaching, these videos started specifically for my students, like they were only for the kids of my class. But as I kept making them, more and more kids from around the world were watching them. I get letters from kids and like. In New Zealand and Australia and Africa watching my videos. So I have to be considerate of them. So still, first and foremost, I always think of the kids in my class. Like last year, I had a student, um, this girl, Gianna, she was like, I was like, man, I need to think of a new video topic. And she goes, Bermuda Triangle. I'm like, I don't know if I could do that because there, I know a lot about it, but there's not so much facts about it. But she was so fascinated by it and she was so interested by it. So I put some feelers out there on the internet and posted some comments to see what kids would say. And it lit up. So I realized, oh, the kids in my class have their finger on the pulse of what kids want to see. Um, But on top of that, I do check YouTube to see what people are searching for. I check YouTube to see what there's not a video about. And plus I have a Patreon where fans can sign up and like help support the channel and I'll like post polls on there. So Body Systems just recently won the poll on Patreon. So I'm like, all right, I'll cover the human body, you know. Patreon's so cool. I mean, honestly, I've I've come up with like like the best YouTube video I have at, like ever. Just out of luck, it was uh, the name of the video came up from someone on Patreon. Like, it's just it's a group that supports you to the point where. They want to help you in any way they can. It's it's really yeah. a cool group. It's um um without my Patreon, the I about a six months ago, probably a little like a year ago, 
um, I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this if, because YouTube kept changing their rules and things right? like that. Yeah. I was devoting so much time to it, and Patreon without that, they kept the Mr. Romeo channel afloat through all this mess. So without them, I'd be. Yeah, I. You were breaking up a tiny bit there, but I totally agree. Yeah, there's times, I'm sure you're, I mean, not maybe once a month. I don't know how, how what the interval is, but there's definitely times where creators question themselves. And I'm sure you're like any other creator where you're like, what the heck am I doing making this? Yeah. And you seriously question yourself at times, so... It, I totally do. I mean, there is times like people uh, in – I would be teased about it. People would be like oh, the guy uh, – like people I work with would make jokes about it and things like that. Or my friends might crack jokes about it too. Yeah. But then I always think about it and I always think you can laugh all you – like I uh, – there's a time and this is a weird story to tell. But like you said, it's very conversational between me and you and this – no yeah, one, like, no one else is listening. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my uh, no, but uh, there's a cool story where I remember being a kid and my dad and I went to a restaurant, and I remember being embarrassed to ask the waiter for something, and my dad looked at me and he goes, "You will never see this person ever again. Why do you care what they think about?" And ever since that moment, I remember being like, "You're right, Dad. I don't care at all." So that's what led to me making these videos like this. I, I, people can, you know, tease me or make fun of it all they want. And YouTube can change the rules all they want, but I'm still going to do it if it helps kids. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't relate more. And I mean, that thought alone, like kind of putting things in perspective has gotten me through some seriously low times during run like races that again i'm putting myself through but um let's shift gears and i definitely want to talk more about social media with you because i think everyone regardless of your background within running or elsewhere will find it fascinating but i heard i heard you bring up running <laughs> before me yeah. uh so you can't go to the gym what what has been historically i mean your your daily routine is it a daily workout at the gym or like a few times a week so i um when i first started i was always an athletic guy i wrestled and played baseball in high school and i wasn't necessarily like the best of them but i loved practice i loved moving and being energetic and i grew up in a one square mile town where you're like we played sports every single day. We didn't party. We didn't go out. We didn't do anything. We played baseball, football, basketball. That was it. And when I got older and I was in college, I remember uh, I started dating my wife. And one day we said to each other, like, let's get in really good shape. <laughs> and she was like, all right, let's do it. So we both like made a commitment right then and there. And this is probably probably like 10 years ago. And I just became a fitness nut. It started with running. I would run because it was the only thing I knew. I knew I didn't have a lot of money at the time. But I knew I could always just put on a pair of sneakers and go for a jog. 
So I always, um, that was what first started. Then I signed up to a gym and I met some power lifters and they showed me how to power lift. And I got obsessed with power lifting. I was like 145 pounds, but I was deadlifting <laughs> 400, I was deadlifting 435 pounds. I was obsessed. And I got, I got too strong and I met my friend Aaron and he was like, come do CrossFit. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do CrossFit now. So I did that for a year. And then I returned back to running. And then I started to just get a regular gym routine, which is where I'm at now, where I just uh, I go to the gym six days a week. Um, five days a week is dedicated to um, light cardio and you know standard the uh, interval training and lifting. And then Saturdays, I usually do heavy cardio, whether it's uh, a good run or I'll do I'll look up a good CrossFit workout and I'll do it at my house or at my gym or something like that. But in the face of quarantine, I am struggling. I'm like dying. <laughs> they, got, they got a bunch of virtual races available, Mike. And I, you know, we're pretty extreme communities. So it sounds like that fits your persona. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's the longest distance you've run? 13 was the longest I ever ran. It's a half marathon. You know there's a pretty damn good marathon, like, very close to you. I think it takes there's, place in New York. Yes, the good old, my <laughs> one of my good friends I work with, this girl Nina, she did the New York City Marathon. She's going to do it again. She was talking to me about it. but Do it. I, I'm at a point now to where when I do something, I fully 100% commit to it. So I know that if I sign up for a New York City Marathon, I will be running every single day constantly like a madman, which is sounds awesome. But in terms of where I'm at in my career with editing the videos and, and teaching and stuff like that, and I'm also in grad school. I would say you're, you're, in, you're in grad school also. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I would say you might have the fitness level – that and I'm not a coach, but with minimal type training, you could enjoy and run with your friend, depending on what what time she's going for. Um, you could enjoy it and get a marathon in. Yeah, um, but it I, is I'm something just I want out to there. Yeah, it is something I want to do in my life, and I will do it in my life. It's just a question of when. There's also this. I'm extremely competitive. I remember I'd, I signed up for a race once and me and my friend said, we're going to take our time. We're going to, let's do the first couple miles together and we're going to stay together. And we were right on the front. Well, you know, the race was starting we're right in the front. And we said, let's let everybody go and we'll stay to the side and we'll just jog lightly and we'll just hang out. We'll have a nice run together. So, uh, you know, off, off on our way, I see a guy go in front of me and he books it. And I left my friends immediately. I was like chasing this guy <laughs> like like a dog chasing a car. And I, there's something in me that can't not do that. I have to go and I have to – I don't have to win, but I got to be close to winning. This <laughs> is always the way – the kind of person that I am. It's you, like a, you're, you're such an ultra runner. It's not even funny. You don't even know it yet. Um, <laughs> how, many, how many races have you – done have you done some 5ks and 10ks and stuff? i do 
Yeah, I do a lot of 5Ks um, around, around here. Done cool. a 10K before. Um, lo- like local ones, things like that. And, I mean, I don't want to totally fill up our time on running talk. Who wants to talk about running? Um, what, what was the 13-mile run that you did? How did that transpire? And I want to hear more about that. So um, it wasn't a competitive thing. It was just for to, to test my limits. I, uh, I live in an area that's along the Jersey Shore, and um, there's a big race that they hold every year. It's the, it's the Sandy Hook Half Marathon. And two people that I work with were running it. So I was like, you know, well, let, me, let me test and see if I could do it. So I trained for a while. And I got up to eight and then I got up to 10 on a local trail that's near here. And I drove down to Sandy Hook, this area. And I said, let me see if I could do this. And I did it. I was able to do it. I did 30 miles at a good pace and, and I was fine. And, I, and that was one of the last times I remember I ran. It wasn't for a competitive sense. It was just so I can prove to myself so you, that I so could So you do actually it. had a bib on and everything or, or did you no, just no. run that course? I just know the course. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's a big popular running destination. That's impressive. There's actually really there's impressive. one place near me that I remember hearing is like a famous running uh, trail. I don't know. It's called Homedale Park, and I run it all the time, all summer here. And I remember running into a guy who was a runner here, and he was, he said, "Yeah, I traveled all the way. He traveled from like like Massachusetts just to come to this path." And he says it's one of the top rated trails. You got to look that up. I forget. I don't know why it's popular, but. No, I, I definitely will. I think take advantage if people are getting all the way there. Uh, I couldn't believe it. it. Yeah. There's one I go to, like I tell you, I go probably, you know, a couple times a month to run this place in the summer. So in your head, can people run beyond a marathon or is, is the marathon distance kind of like the lifetime achievement? Because I always forget that. I mean, there was a time where that half marathon that you you ran, probably much faster than me, was just like, there's no way I can do that. Like, it was very intimidating to me. I mean, is yeah. that how you feel about the marathon distance? I think, to me, running has always been the kind of thing that, and I always tell people this too, who ask me about fitness stuff, because a lot of my friends know that I'm like a fitness guy, and I like working out a lot. I always say that running is the kind of thing to me that is never easy. It always challenges me in some way because there's always another mile you could go. There's always another like hill that's a little bit steeper or something like that. And uh, to me, that's not, you know, a marathon distance wouldn't be the end. I think that there would always be one mile more that I would think, oh, yeah, I could probably do that. Oh, yeah, I can. And I always have that kind of mindset until like my knees fall off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, i mean i i know the the first time i reached out to you i was like kids video on running would be awesome or like a kids video on exercise little did i know that you were this into exercise like i've i am um, you can see i you can there's in certain videos if you see me in the summer i don't stop moving in the summer i <laughs> I play in volleyball leagues. I play in softball leagues. What's that rock on the 
I go to the gym six days a week, no That's matter awesome. what. My wife will yell at me because of it, but it's something it, – it's my time. It makes me feel sane in a sense. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think every listener just related to you on that comment. So not alone at all on that. And I, I definitely – I think, um, again – I want you to be picking videos that you're passionate about, but right now parents trying to figure out how to keep their kids active is this conundrum that no one can figure out. And so I think that any kind of exercise or even like a kid's yoga video or anything where the kid is active and moving around a little bit is going to be hugely successful because... I'm scratching my head. I don't know how to get my kids out and feel safe about it. And especially you, you know, near New York city and in Jersey, like, yeah. So I, uh, um, the woman I was talking about before Nina, who did the half marathon, uh, did the New York city marathon. She actually just started a YouTube video channel and I was helping her, you know, design it and put the stuff together. So I'll send you, she posts, and my kids in my classes just started discovering them. Awesome at-home workout videos for kids Cool. that I watch. And I'm like, man, this is great. And she makes it competitive to where kids can comment their times and, you know, have fun with it. It's really, really cool. So I'll send – I'll have to send you that because – Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And I'll, I'll share it with all the parents that are listening now that totally. we're all – like, how, how can this work? <laughs> we can't go yeah. to the playground. Um, <laughs> kids might get a kick out of knowing that she's Mr. DeMeo's friend there you go so let's shift gears why how did it feel and why did you make your first YouTube video what were you what sense of uh, I don't know was it creativity or was it just trying something new or, or why did you post and click upload on that first YouTube video that you made. So like I, when I actually teach in the same school I went to as a little kid. So my preschool through eighth grade is the same school I'm a teacher in now. So it's a unique circumstance. But anyway, when I started working in my school, it was with a lot of teachers who actually had me as a little kid. I went into third grade and I was with two teachers. One teacher, Mrs. Loftrum, had me in third when the other teacher, Mrs. Harriet, had me in fourth. And they were, they would tell you, they were on their way out. They had one to two years left until they were retiring. They weren't interested in trying anything new, any new practice. And I was that new guy on the block who was like, oh, let's try, you know, this, let's try that. Anything with technology was my thing. So I remember um, I got observed by the principal and the state. The state came to observe our school. And they came into my classroom and they saw I was using videos, playing the piano. I was doing all this funky stuff. And then they left. And the director of uh, technology came into my room, who's actually Dennis, the guy who controls the puppet and the videos. (laughs) And he goes, what do you need to be a better teacher? And I was like, I don't really know how to answer that. What do you mean? He's like, name something you need to be a better teacher. And I was like, uh, iPads? I don't know. So he 
piloted an iPad program in my classroom. And he saw that I was making videos to help my kids because I was making videos and I wasn't uploading them to YouTube. I had them just saved on the iPad because I didn't want the public to be able to find them. And uh, he came back again and he saw that. And he was – we weren't quite friends yet. Andy the puppet wasn't like a thing yet. And he said to me, uh, there's a lady who's teaching a workshop on making videos at a college. Would you want to go? And I'm thinking it's, I'm going to get a day off of work. I get to go to hang out with this guy and we'll go to a college. And I could say, yeah, sure. So he sends me to a college and it's in the summer on a Saturday at some random college. And summers were like, I, as a teacher, I'll do summer school and I'll do things like that. But on a Saturday in the summer, it's like the last thing you want to do, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so I went, so I said, if this guy says I should go, I should probably go. This lady shows me, this lady, Chris, Kristen Schiraldi, who still teach, goes around the country and teaches people about how to make videos and stuff. She showed me how to make a cartoon Mr. DeMeo. She showed me how to make like a picture talk with a mouth. She showed me all these things. And me being the tech-savvy guy, I picked up on it. So I remember I went back to school and I played a video that was a, a, from the Smithsonian YouTube channel to my class. I forget what it was about. But this kid, Jimmy, he had his head down and he was bored and he was falling asleep. And I remember being like, man. That was me. When I was, that when was when totally I, me. <laughs> Sorry. But when I was a kid and my teacher wheeled in the VCR and the giant TV and Bill Nye was coming on, I was like, man, I got I, – yes, this is our break. But this didn't work for Jimmy. So I went home and I made a YouTube video and I was like, I need a place – and I could have it to where Jimmy could watch it at home. And I got over myself. I said, who cares if somebody finds it from home? So I put it on YouTube, and my class was obsessed with it. They thought it was so funny that the parents were asking for links to it and things like that. But the following year is when it, things really blew up. Um, Hurricane Sandy like destroyed our school. And we had to get moved that. from our school oh. to a different school and and it was, it was a mess. So I was like, you know, I'm going to make a ton of videos. I'm going to amp it up, give something the kids can watch at home, just like what we're doing now. I like stepped it up a little bit the best I could. And I remember I made my four times table song. And it blew up in the town. Like everybody, all the parents were watching it and sharing it online and stuff like that. And my friend Dennis, that guy from the beginning of the story, the voice Andy, I remember I was at the gym and he was calling me. He was like, it's got 200 views. Can you believe it? 200. <laughs> and ever since then, it evolved into something that you know, I just keep doing, and it blew up into what it is today. You saw that YouTube royalty payment, like, estimated 55 <laughs> cents. Like, Yes, that is that is YouTube's way. And, and YouTube's then Andy like, oh, asked got- for 25 cents, and you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> YouTube will be like, oh, if you get... A hundred thousand views. Here's five dollars. Here's lunch. <laughs> Good <Yes>. job. <laughs> so thank God for Patreon. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, trust me. I I can't comprehend the uh, frustration on that. Especially. I mean, a lot of your videos have millions of views, yeah. and I I don't think it's quite connected yet. I maybe YouTube figures it out and realizes like. <laughs> All content shouldn't 
necessarily be judged equally and like yeah uh maybe there's more value to this than we're sharing but uh that's part of the reason i got fed up and we're putting a tv show on amazon which arguably isn't that much better but at least you can uh charge 99 cents for a 35 minute tv show episode and that's not actually the royalty we get but it's a thousand times better than youtube so absolutely um it's the kind of thing too like I, i there's these guys i follow on youtube and I don't know their story, but they're this YouTube channel, Red Letter Media, where they review movies and things like that. And they've gotten so popular and so massive on YouTube that I don't know if they're they could ever leave. You know, like they're not making as much money as they potentially could, but there's a jumping off point. Will all the fans follow if they were to leave? Will they all not follow? It's like a scary right. thing. Well, I and think I don't, I'm not I'm not as popular as them, but it's the kind of thing that I think about too. I, I think for your channel, and I'm no one to give you advice, you have almost two, 200,000 people following you on YouTube, but uh, a 99-cent episode of Mr. DeMeo on Amazon, I mean, when the kids are screaming and – there's educational value, you know I'm buying that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's worth considering, I think. So it is. I, when when the videos are, they they all reach a point to where I know I can expand and get some other help and get some bring some people on. When it hits that point, then and those are some other options I'll consider. That's awesome. Uh, I want to hear more about how your classroom evolved as you become this sensation on YouTube. I mean, within your space, there's a small handful of people like you're up there with, um, yeah, there's literally, there's less than probably five, five people that are YouTube personalities that teach quality education on YouTube. And so how was your classroom evolving over this, breakthrough period when you went for it and decided screw it like i'm putting myself out there i'm going to share it for the kids here and i might get some negative feedback but i i want to help some i want to help the kids when they can't even get into their classroom yeah it's it definitely was like so i i taught third grade for nine years and this is actually my first year teaching science and social studies and as I was making all these videos, they only helped my instruction more and more in third grade because I was making more and more content that pertained to the third grade curriculum that I was teaching. So what that meant was if I was teaching about George Washington, I've got an awesome 10-minute video that I put my life and guts into that I know the kids are going to go home and they're going to watch and they're not even going to need to study a vocab card or a study guide because they've got the Mr. Umeo video to go with it. So it made my life a lot easier when I was in third grade because there was always this this massive uh, amount of resource that I could pull from in my own YouTube videos that I was establishing over throughout the years. Um, 
it was definitely extremely helpful. But when I got moved to science and social studies, it kind of was a massive setback because a lot of the things that they expect me to teach in science and social studies in fifth grade is not anything of my videos than I have now. So I'm creating new things that go along with them, but at the same time, I also have to be considerate of my audience. So there's almost like a, in my job is there's like a separation of church and state kind of thing. Like I am a teacher here, but I try, I kind of have to keep my Mr. DeMeo YouTube personality sense separately a little bit. Um, mostly because I do generate an income from the Mr. DeMeo stuff. And I don't, I'm scared at my job now to kind of seem like I'm promoting myself in any way to the kids or making them watch something that I'm generating a revenue from. It's like a little gray area. That's kind of scary. <laughs> Get those like, 25 I, likes. and <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's such a minor thing, but I'm the kind of person that thinks about 900 things at once and that's one thing i focus on i'd hate i i work really hard at my job and the last thing i would want people to think is that i'm trying to you know take advantage in any way (laughs) every every day start off the class with okay kids open up your tablets please (laughs) please go through and rewatch every single video six times We need views. The painful thing was, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I got a view farm (laughs) of just all the kids just clicking, clicking, clicking. The thing was, I think a lot of teachers I worked with who didn't really know me had that impression on me. Though I really think a lot of people thought I was just the guy who, oh, he just makes YouTube videos. Yeah, not knowing that that was not the be all end all of me as a teacher. Like it was, it's a big part of me, but it wasn't everything. But it definitely changed over the course of the years, especially when I got moved from third to fifth. And I think it definitely changed the way kids viewed me in the school. Um, kids now view me who do kids, little kids who don't even know me in the school, um, trust me, and and they feel like they have a relationship with me despite only high fiving me a couple times in the hallway. That's awesome. And, that's because they're recognizing me as a face in the building, as a teacher, as a trusted person, which is great. But on top of that, they're learning from me at home, and they're not forming that separation of school is where I learn. No, no, no. Now everywhere is where I learn, and that's the guy who teaches me. So it definitely helps to form relationships with kids, and it's that's huge. It's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah that's, I, that's a you're breaking down something I, I never thought about. But yeah, it's. There were kids, like I taught in third grade and it was a separate hallway. And when they moved me to fifth grade, I wasn't around little kids anymore. You know, like preschool through third grade is like kids who are three all the way up until they're like nine. And when they moved me, I wouldn't see those kids anymore. But now when I go down that hallway, I used to think like, oh man, none of them are going to know me. This is going to be so sad. And I would go down that hallway and they're all like, hey, Mr. DeMay, I love that part in the video where you where you talk to a sandwich or something like <laughs> that. What, what's like, uh, what's the funniest thing a kid has yelled at you in the hallway? Is there like <laughs> one or two things that stick out in your head where you're like, how did that kid come up with that? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, not in the hallway, but I'll tell you, I've been at like ShopRite and things like that. And I've learned my lesson since. But there are times that kids will come up to me at ShopRite and they'll like hug my leg or they'll come up to me and start talking to me. 
And it's because they know me from school and they're like really excited to see me or they know me from the videos. But parents won't recognize the fact that it's <laughs> me, that it's Mr. Mayo. They just see some random guy. So I'll be like, I work in the school. I would trust me. I, I, I know your child. I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's probably the weirdest thing. But uh, there's been there's been plenty of times kids shout out things from my videos and their parents are like, Wait, what are you, what is that? What does What's- that even mean? I mean, and what's the best thing a parent has shouted at you? That's appropriate. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure um, you get people yelling stuff at you because you're so well well known. I mean, generally, but then locally too. Well, I had a. There's a great mom. This woman. I had her son twice, and the other day she was in a chat, and my uh, I was lucky that my boss was in there, and she goes, "Mr. Mail, I just got to say, you're the holy grail." I was like, what do you mean? She's like, without you, my kid wouldn't even be online on this chat right now. And I was like so lucky that my boss was in there and this woman was saying this. I was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, but, we're, we're always like, we're checking current videos on YouTube all the time. Just like rubbing our hands like, come on. Like, <laughs> we're going to be lucky today. We're going to be lucky. I'm um, working on it when it's coming, so... <laughs> Tell me, tell me about the process. I want to, I want to learn about the process because I think a lot of people in, gosh, within the past month, I've had maybe ten people reach out on how do you make a podcast. I'm thinking about making my own podcast and going into that. So that that platform is taking off like crazy as people are locked down. They can't leave. They want to record these crazy Zoom meetings. They're probably in, uh, but. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you go about making an episode because there's a lot to be learned and I respect the quality of teaching that are within each of these videos. So I want to learn more about how you do that. Um, well, after I choose a topic, like I already talked a little bit about the topic cho- choosing and all that. Um, but once again, I, I, I listen to my students. I scour YouTube. I talk to people on Patreon and I think of something that I, I am also passionate about because my passion, I always feel like comes through in the screen. Like if you can kind of tell on certain I'm feeling and which ones I'm really interested in. So uh, that's, that's the first thing. Um, but it also stems to my friend Dennis and I will talk and we'll have some kind of weird inside joke that makes no sense. Because that's kind of my sense of humor is just things that make no sense at all. And that's what makes it funny to me. And he and I will talk and we'll say, man, wouldn't it be funny to throw this in a video? And it will just evolve into this mess of this weird idea where I just have to throw it in. So uh, we'll, we'll keep those thoughts in the back of our head or these weird ideas. Like Jupiter and should have a national anthem. Yes, like Jupiter should have a national anthem and that there should be an alien that asks what is pants for like an hour. <laughs> like all these kinds of things are ideas that we, he and I get together. And um, I'll sit one day because I try to make one video a month.
So the second that a video comes out, a new video, I give myself one week of like a reprieve. I chill and I just relax. I watch funny movies. I catch up on, you know, missed shows, things like that. And then when that week is up, I take three days to write the script, like around three days, sometimes a little longer. Like right now in my newest videos, I'm on like day five of writing the script. It's taking a little long. But usually it's like two to three days. Then I schedule a time to film with Dennis and uh, we'll take – Can I back up? I don't mean to interrupt you. Because of the level of education and I – I got. I bought a book on the Sphinx with my son. He was obsessed with the Sphinx. I happened to be at the basically second grade, first grade, obsessed. Same thing. I was like the video. I I'm pretty sure the video didn't actually explain this correctly on when the nose got busted off. So we like we went back and rewatched it, and like my jaw dropped when you like. Yeah, this was like a, a reputable book that explained historically how that happened. And then your video explained verbatim, almost like you researched the same book that I was using. Um, like you're doing detailed research on these videos. Am I not mistaken there? No, you're, you're doing yeah, so detailed, like college level type research. So what happens is, and I've learned from my mistakes. So a Sphinx is a newer video. Like past videos, there's times I've said things and I wished I elaborated more. Or I didn't say it exactly clear as clear as I had wanted to. Or maybe I misspoke in some way or I said something wrong. So I check my facts dozens and dozens and dozens of times over. Because one of the worst things in the world yeah. is when I have to go back and watch and see some kind of error. Because y- you can't on YouTube. You can't go back. It's the worst you post part it of on routine, there. YouTube. You yeah. can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You can – so they just made a feature now to where you can cut out a part in the middle. You know, like if there's a random part in the middle that didn't make any sense, you could cut it out. But I don't want to cut it out. I want to replace it. So I've learned my mis- from my mistakes. Like I wish. podcasts, you can just if I is, made an error, I can go back, correct the error, re-upload, and no one, yes. no one knows. I think the thing is with YouTube too is like uh, there's times I have had to re-upload, but then I lose all the places that parents have shared that and linked exactly. it, and yeah. all this types of things. So it kills me. But I will research a subject like crazy. A, dozen times over and i always let my interests kind of guide where the conversation goes for so in the case of the sphinx nose a lot of people wouldn't particularly talk about the part with napoleon shooting the nose off but i know if i was a kid and i had heard that story before i'd be like man this famous french military leader came and shot it off with a cannon that was a popular rumor i'd want to see that that's a cool visual so i'd be i'm always sure to include those types totally it's almost like common knowledge in a weird sense and you totally you nailed it i mean you fact checked it so i i'll get all those facts and i'll gather them sometimes what i do is i'll say i'll make bullet points of the topics i need to talk i need to talk about okay who so for example with sphinx who built it? How old is it? Whose face is on it? What exactly is a sphinx? Like all these things are, are like, is there anything underneath it? Is it hollow? All the, these are all questions that I know a kid would have. And 
So I always question, is a kid going to have about this specific thing? And I don't want to get off like the main topic question, but how sick of the Sphinx is your wife at this point? (laughs) (laughs) She, not many things. So I'll tell you with her, not many things bother her. The songs irk her to know him. So my name is Herbert. She can't hear that. She can't hear space rocks. If you watch my tornado video where he's going, Dorothy, she will run me out of the house if she hears that. We'll, we'll have but to open the episode with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> occasionally. So I got a new song that's going to be in my body systems video, like a new weird song. And she's actually, she goes, man, I love that song. And she's singing it herself. So occasionally Duet. I get some good ones that she likes. But New, new uh, character? There is a new there's a new female character. So I get a lot of people who are like, you need a girl in these videos. And Roberta is technically a girl, the robot. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, I, I do have to put a, a girl in there. So I, I want it to be natural. So there is a new female character coming, a new weird song coming on stuff. But, I mean, that's why we love them. If they were normal songs, we would <laughs> yeah. have all forgot at this point. So <laughs> you're writing and you're just researching the heck out of these topics you're making it creative educational you shoot for a day or two is that right uh so about a day or two like if if it's me and dennis the the guy to uh, the puppet together uh andy then um yeah it's usually one day we'll have to designate a time that we can get together and film uh sometimes it's two days for little things that i have to reshoot and then uh, editing for me is like three weeks. It takes me about three weeks to do it because tell, it's just me. Tell me about that process just real briefly. Is that because I'm in the same boat trying to put out content? I, there's just not enough hours in the day when you have a full-time job and family kids. You know, you're working full-time job. You have a wife. You're, it sounds like you're working out every day. So you relate to everyone listening. Um, yeah. Where do you fit it in, and how does that process work? Uh, so, I, I do like I, I'm a teacher, as as you said. So, I get out of school at three o'clock, but I usually stay till about four. Um, four o'clock, I would come home, and usually I will cook dinner and eat it right away because I'm starving. And uh, I'll edit my video probably for a little bit before I go to the gym, and I'll go to the gym around seven. I come home around eight forty-five. And my wife, I'll see her for a few minutes before she goes to sleep because she goes to sleep real early. And I'll probably work on my video till about 11 o'clock at night, around like midnight. And uh, my weekends are consumed with it. It's it's really, it's all I do in my free time. But That's, my wife, yeah. I'm lucky that my wife recognizes that it's something that I, I care about and it's something that she sees the difference that it makes. So I'm very lucky that she's she's cool with it all and she supports me in that way yeah that's awesome and so for the kids listening it sounds like you sleep in <laughs> uh Are you early nowadays with 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 quarantine i'll i'll sleep in so i uh i'll wake up around around 8 45 and uh i start to do i have to video chat with my students things like that but it's cool because i can be in like my pajamas and uh I'll wake up around then and do that and, you know, so, work on the videos throughout. Since you're the, you're 97%, I think you said, of the operation basically for these, for this YouTube 
um, content. I mean, when do you know your video is ready to upload? Like, when are you clicking finally within, I don't know, Final Cut Pro or whatever, like, upload to YouTube? Like, when are you clicking that button? When are you satisfied with the outcome of your art that you've put together? So for the first like 50% of the video of them editing, I love it. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so funny. And I go back and I'll watch it like 20 times over like the first 50%. Then when I creep into the seventies, I still kind of like it, but I'm not, it's more like laborsome. By the time I'm like, I'm about 85% done with the video. I am just going through the motions and it's my eyes hurt because I've just been staring at the computer for so long and I will finish it all. I had the Patreon names. I had the ads at the end because they would keep the channel afloat. And I, the second I had done and share and I put it on YouTube, I hand it off to Patreon and I say, Please watch this and tell me <laughs> if you notice anything, if there's if any words are spelled wrong, anything like that. And I give myself a day or two to watch it, check it like crazy. My wife will watch it as well. My friend Dennis will watch it. And we say, oh, you spelled this wrong or, oh, uh, this part was uh, the music or the sound was weird. Um so I give myself about two days of checking and fixing, but most times I will say I nail it on the first shot. Most times I'm, I'm like, I mean, between the book and then this TV show, it's like edit number 25. I'm just like, get, get this away from me. Like I can't take this anymore. Get like upload it, whatever, yeah. like get it away. I, uh, I've always I'm had so a sick of it by the end. <laughs> I've always had a passion for like film and movies and editing though. So I love watching a movie and thinking about the director and the editor's process. So when I'm shooting and editing my own stuff, I love to see a finished product of some cool part, some cool idea uh, where something unique is happening. Like if you watch my snake video, the scene of me sneaking into the snake temple and getting the crystal Pepsi. Like I was so focused and needed to finish that, that the second we were done filming it, I ran home with the footage and began editing it and couldn't stop. And and I finished that particular scene within a day of editing, but it's weird. I I need to finish. Some, sometimes things just fall into place so easily and so naturally that, editing is actually very minimal and people can't tell the hard stuff where you had to recut and like, yes, just go crazy on something like one 10 second clip took you a day of like pain and agony or there's other things that just everything falls into place perfectly. It's weird. And by the way, that I, I will purposely sometimes put film videos on my schedule that I know are easy to film like my egg-shaped planet video like that one was all filmed inside of my what my mother-in-law's kitchen (laughs) and because of that it was just so easy because the lighting was good i knew how the camera was gonna go and just to give myself a little break i mean i was i was gonna go out on a tangent and just say crystal 
nuclear Pepsi has been kind of a joke and obsession on on my end for a long time. So it's hilarious, like every time it's included. And it's, yeah, it's something that my my best friend in real life, my best friend Murphy, who's in a lot of my videos, he and I would talk about it all the time. Do you remember that? Yeah. We talk about like foods that we loved when we were kids, like Ecto Cooler and Crystal Pepsi. That's, yes, that's another one. I think it's because we're probably the same age. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, there was this popcorn that we, we're waiting for it to come back. So Ecto Cooler came back, Crystal Pepsi came back, but there was this popcorn when we were a kid, and it was called Pop Secret Pop Mystery, and it was colorful popcorn. Like it would be green or it would be red or something. And we remember it like it was yesterday, and we're waiting for it to come back. So if the Pop Secret people are listening. I mean, it can be sponsored by Elf. I think Elf was out at that point, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so shifting really briefly, I did want to talk about social media. And thank you for taking so much of your time. By the way, for the listener's background, it took me an extra five or ten minutes for setup. So Mr. DeMeo has been very patient with me. Um, social media is it's fickle. It's weird. It's the most amazing thing on the planet. It can be the biggest downer ever. How do you handle it? How do you decide what platform to use? I know we talked a little bit about Amazon and royalties and that stuff, and the kids probably just don't care and roll their eyes. How do you know when to roll out something on an Instagram or Twitter or other platform? When do you just focus on your core, kind of like YouTube, and when do you try a different platform? for the longest time and i had a director of curriculum who was big into twitter who pushed a lot of like the staff members to be on twitter and i remember my friend dennis telling me that twitter was really becoming like a big educational because this they call it edu twitter it's massive it's like there's so many teachers on twitter who connect with one another so twitter is probably something that i only recently have really put a lot of focus into. Mm -hmm. um, my main thing was always YouTube. That's my biggest thing. I have 181,000 people follow me on there. and that's more, um, that's more people than are in the entire ultra running community, which is pretty insane. It's, 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 <laughs> it is nuts. I don't even, I don't even know. Like I can't even explain it. It's, it's, it, it doesn't feel normal to me but um my wife is loves social media like she is always on instagram and she's always look finding like cool hotels and stuff that we want to travel to in places so i had asked her i said you know would you mind taking over the mr de mayo instagram 
So luckily she handles all the posts and things like that. It's one less thing that I have to do. Sweet. And I'll handle the Twitter stuff, but I recognize that I have different audiences on each of my social media platforms. Like Twitter, for example, is a lot of teachers who came across my videos and really like it. And we share resources to one another and I'll share video release dates and things like that. Instagram, however, is mostly moms that came across my videos or dads too came across my videos and, and, uh, follow me on there. So there's like, different audiences i noticed for each one and i and i recognize that when i'm releasing anything i got to be considerate of that audience and who's really checking i've i've noticed it's not necessarily a different audience that it's more my personal biases that impact like oh i don't want to put anything out on twitter because i just don't use that platform as often because i'm a visual thinker i like instagram because it kind of that's how i think in pictures but just because I'm that way doesn't necessarily mean other people sure, yeah. are like that. So it's weird because I, I have a tendency of sharing – if it's something big, I share almost a similar thing across all platforms because maybe this person is only on Twitter. That's the only platform they use and that's the only voice they hear me from. Yeah. Or like yeah. maybe they're on the podcast or into podcasts and listen. I have other people that are great friends on Instagram that don't listen to podcasts at all. So it's kind of a weird kind of mix up yeah. uh, on people on Facebook. Uh, I <laughs> it's, Facebook is the only one I haven't hard. dived into yet and started a Mister Mayo like Facebook specific page. It's weird. But, it's really weird because. You have like a max of 5,000 people and I, it's oh. it feels personal for some people and then topical for others. Um, but I think I think in, in my particular case, I would see a lot of um, like an, like a lot of the older audience, I think, is, is Facebook, where I think a lot of the younger audience is Instagram. That's just my perception, I would say. Totally. It, there's yeah. yeah, there is definitely that kind of uh grouping and then i'm always kind of like diversifying because i'm like i don't know what platform's going to be big next i got lucky in the sense that i was early on instagram yeah but who knows what the next big video platform's going to be you know if youtube falls apart so it's like kind of diversify your outlets totally. um, uh, for me as a teacher too it's become the type of thing that Twitter is a resume now as a teacher. So I have, a, I have a professor right now who said, if you're not on Twitter as a, as a, as, cause I'm going to be a principal. If you're not on Twitter as an aspiring administrator, then get on right now. So I was lucky. Yes, I'm yeah. like, yeah. I already have like, I don't know, a good amount of followers on there. So, um, I'm lucky that I already jumped the gun in that way. It is. It's a good way to showcase what you're doing in the education world professionally. But for me, my like a gray area from where my videos, my personal life, and my um, my professional, my career kind of mesh all together. Whereas Instagram is just Mr. Demayo stuff. I just yeah. post Mr. Demayo. So 
And, and a lot of guys, I know at least within like educational videos for kids will have like a personal Instagram and then like a Instagram set up specifically for their educational resources. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of positives when something gets shared on Twitter specifically and gets retweeted a few times, it gets multiplied. And even with yeah. Instagram occasionally and stories, uh, there's positives. What, what have been the negative aspects of social media from your perspective? I mean, I've finally, it's taken me years to just ignore like 99.9% of feedback that's negative. Yeah. I just don't even bother because it's just yeah. whatever. Um, did it take you a while to get used to bad reviews and comments that are just like borderline outrageous? I don't get so much of that on Twitter. I get some of on Instagram and a, a decent amount on YouTube. Um, Instagram, I just get people who, like the other day, I got a mom who was mad that I talk about chicken parmesan so much in my videos, and she was she was vegan, <laughs> like so she was saying though. that. Yeah, I know. And she she was vegan, and she was saying that you know you sh- I should be respectful of um, other food options and things like that. And I'm always the type of guy I I I'm very try to be so understanding of, of everybody and everybody's opinions. Cause the last thing I would ever want to do is hurt someone's feelings, especially kids with a YouTube video. And a part of me always wants to reply to everybody and say, say something. But it, it, the scary thing for me is how things could be misconstrued. You know, I don't want to say something and someone interpret it or mean it the wrong way. But in terms of, so Instagram, I do get things like that. People are really critical of my videos things um but instant on youtube on youtube i get tons hey, YouTube's say, like a free-for-all it's like wwf oh, or if that's even what it, it still is um <laughs> i get so many mean comments and i what i do is i screenshot them and i send them to my friends because they're so <laughs> bad and they're so mean <laughs> and they're making fun of me but at the end of the day, all I can do is laugh at it. I'm not going to, you know, so, like I'm, it's pointless to argue with someone about it. It's just, I'll just delete it and keep it moving. I, I found this really, really helpful and therapeutic. There's this option where you just click no comments on videos on YouTube. Yes. I, I have not felt bad about that at all. It's been pleasant. <laughs> I I get a lot of uh, people. There's a, there's a, the argument there of, high engagement you know if they can comment and they can talk and that kind of thing i don't know i i'll let it be the wild wild west i'll police it (laughs) but i if any fan is out there listening just know i read every single comment that i get that's your personality i'm i'm so similar it's not even funny but seriously on youtube of all platforms, probably because it's so easy to fake an account and just like trash. Mm. Like it's probably another envious teacher you met at a conference or like, you know, like you always have those people. And I I always tell myself if I'm not getting enough negative feedback, it's not reaching enough people. So like I'll get the most thumbs down on things that just go wild. And, you know, 
when you have 20,000 views in a week or whatever, like I want negative thumbs down because that's telling me like it got out and got seen Mm -hmm. by enough eyeballs, but it's also hard to, hard to take. uh, It is sometimes as early on when there was just a few comments and I'm like, my video only had like, it had like 70,000 subscribers and didn't have that many comments. It was a hard pill to swallow. And I, I was fortunate. I, my, my one friend would go and he would, uh, he would defend me. Like he would go and he would say, <laughs> That's awesome. how dare you say that? He, this guy that, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have nice friends in, in, in that way. But, uh, yeah, I get a lot of interesting comments that so I think people with strong opinions about like chicken parmesan needs I mean, you need a character, maybe like an eggplant Parmesan. That That's what my wife said. My wife was like, like maybe it's said, a couple or something. I, my I wife said, just uh, <laughs> just just talk about eggplant Parmesan once. And I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> not once. a bad idea. Just once, kind of satisfied. Make that mom happy. Um, yeah, if, if it makes her happy, why not? And so, last question on social media, and hopefully the listeners finding this fun, and hopefully the kids listening know exactly the references you're talking about or they're going to check that out pretty soon what what is the one thing about social media that no one gets you're engaged like no other you have that youtube silver medallion thing or (laughs) whatever it is um you understand a lot of the social media much better than all of us listening like what don't we get? What is it that you're doing that we don't get? Uh, well, I think the biggest thing is to be authentic. There's so many different people out there doing different things. And I see this with a lot of really like young kids. They all just want to do the same thing. Like If they see a TikTok, they're copying that exact same TikTok. If they see a video, they're copying that exact same video. And... They're not being original yet. Original is what makes us all unique in some way. There's a reason that you like Bill Murray movies different from Adam Sandler movies. You know, they're both funny, but they're different, and different is good. So be unique in your own special way. That's what always has brought me success. Is when I see one road and I see everybody travel in that one way, I cannot go down that road. I will go down through the woods, through the bushes, through everything, and I will make my own road because I can't do what everybody else is doing. And that's always brought me success. And I always tell my students that too. I always tell them the same thing. Like, if you see a million people doing one thing, doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. So you're, I think the same is true with social media. You're, you're a trailblazer in what you do. And everyone listening, we don't need roads. We all know that. <laughs> we prefer well, trails and when that trail's too too populated by people we'll we'll go off trail occasionally so um yeah big hats off to you and yeah i just i wanted to thank you for all the time that you've taken uh you know we'll do a q a question here in a minute with my son ben i think that will be really fun cool and i wanted to close it out here with um i appreciate what you've done sharing information on covid19 with kids i know that video 
was probably a hard decision to make to have to explain things on that level to your audience. But I was was really appreciative. I know my wife, Chrissy was very appreciative and I don't know if Ben really liked that video, but he, uh, he learned, he learned from it. I think it was a heavy topic, but I think the parents really respected that. I kicked it around for a while. I, I thought to myself, this is, I remember I, I heard people making jokes about it on TV. This is very early on and, and the death count and the infection rate was still kind of low. And I remember thinking like, man, this is nothing to joke about. And so I got a lot of kids who asked me to make videos about 9-11. And I'm like, I don't think, because I grew up, you know, looking at the World Trade Center from across where I live, like across the water. I don't think I could talk about that. But over time, I realized that kids see me as more than just comedy. They see me as a trusted source of information. They see me as someone who's reliable and someone they can lean on. And I thought that if I'm that person, then I have a responsibility to those kids, whether that's the funniest thing in the world to them, this video, or whether it's it's barely funny at all. I have responsibility to, to do that because I felt like I, it was my duty to, to teach about it. So they know something. So, no, I hats off to you seriously because I know you stuck your neck out and it could have been, I mean, seen as controversial yeah. or I don't know how it could have been seen, but it was. I felt like one of the riskiest videos you put out there, and I I really respected that. Just knowing firsthand how it is to really like yeah. stick your neck out there and try something different, and I've never stuck my neck out on that level on that type of topic. So hats off to you and and hopefully the kids are enjoying this. Let's um let's end with one last thing before we do quick Q&A with Ben. Um any last uh, words of wisdom for the little the little guys and gals that are listening right now? Um don't be the same as everybody else. Be original. Stand out from the crowd. If you see a thousand people wearing a blue shirt, you wear a yellow shirt. Because different makes a difference. What's My five-year-old son, Ben, on to ask just some questions. I know there's probably a bunch of kids listening to this that are wondering maybe some of the same questions. But, Ben, to start us off, what what questions? Let's throw some random ones at Mr. DeMeo. Uh, random, really random <laughs> questions. What are you wondering? As, as random uh, as you can get. How to make the puppets, like, act out, like... On his YouTube videos, how how the puppets talk? Yeah. That's a good question. So, uh, there's two puppets, Steve and Andy. Steve is me. I actually do the voice of Steve and the puppeteering of Steve. So, you'll never see me and Steve in the same scene together. And if you do, which is super rare, I don't even think it's ever happened, it's like special effects. 
So uh, Steve is a little camera trick. Um, and the other guy, Andy, is one of my really good friends, my friend Dennis, who's like the number two in command of the Mr. DeMeo videos. He does the puppeteering for Andy. And ever since like uh, after my earthquake video, he does the voice of Andy. And he's like top-notch puppeteer. He's like a pro with it. Nice. And, uh, is there like a certification and uh, a, a whole world that you can go into for puppeteering that we don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> there are some, like I didn't realize, like I was invited recently to a puppet or a uh, convention. Nice. Um, I, I, I'm not going to do it, I don't think. But it was like, uh, I didn't realize that there's a whole, there's a craft to this thing that I didn't realize exists. But my friend Dennis is, he was a natural with it. And it's weird. You can see that like, if you ever watch my videos, Andy, the blue guy, he moves better than Steve because <laughs> Andy, the guy and me, Steve, I just move him like frantically. He always like looks erratic and like distressed, you know? I mean, maybe you should, uh, hand off your entry to the convention. <laughs> Make Andy green. Swap him out. I did do that. I did switch them in one video, um, the black hole video. Andy was Steve and Steve was Andy for a kind of like a joke at the end of the video. So Ben and I have this uh, weird kind of shared obsession with space. So Ben was the one that introduced me to a lot of your videos. And I mean, I've always, yeah, I've, I've basically, I don't know. Eighth grade and prior was was thinking about that as a profession until I realized astronomy doesn't. Uh, I mean, you pretty much can teach it, and that's just about it. But yeah, it's, it's unlimited. Yeah. We we got a um, we we share a lot of time looking at the stars, looking at what comets and International Space Station and stuff. Uh, we haven't really seen comets a lot. Yeah, it's like we've seen a comet. We got a telescope we're working on, but do you want to tell Mr. DeMeo what your favorite uh, space video is and if you have any questions on those? Well, how to make it look like he's in space, like how how it looks like you're really in space, except you're not uh, like a mess. Like a spaceship yeah. that he's in? Yeah. So I like design all these like graphics on my computer so I'll design everything you see. Think of it, Ben, like a layer of paper. So we'll, the all the way in the background, the all black is like a black piece of paper. Then those little stars layer on top of it is like another piece of paper. Then there's my spaceship. Then there's the then there's the 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 fire that's coming out of it. Then there's me inside of it. And they're all different layers that I create on a computer. And uh, all it is is just me sitting in front of a green screen with my friend and the puppet and uh yeah we just edit it all on the computer and that's how we make it look so cool what else do you have you have a million you have to have a million questions i know how smart you are <laughs> what else do you have uh don't be shy um do you um when is your next video coming out so i'm working on one now a lot of people like you guys i'm very interested in space that was always been my my forte. I'm really interested in it, and I, I know a good about a good amount about it. So when I cover them in a video, it's always something that's not too hard for me because I have a good understanding of it. 
But my next video is going to be about something that I don't actually know a lot about. It's about the human body. It's about body systems. So in this next video, I'm going to shrink down to the size of a blood cell and go into Andy's body and learn about the different parts of the body. And it's probably going to come out in probably like two weeks. I'm cool. finishing up the script right now. In two weeks, we might be. We might no. be. <laughs> Out of school? No school? No. We'll, we'll be on YouTube watching uh. for sure. <laughs> you got to click the premiere and have a little uh, yeah, Zoom, yeah. Zoom whatever party before the premiere. Yeah. I do the live chats before the party and stuff. Kids, uh, before the video comes out, kids always get a kick out of going on and chatting with me and asking questions and stuff. So you you got to see some of making a video, Ben, because we made your when when Ben ran his first five k, we documented it for a a, a virtual run we did. Um, you have any questions on on that aspect? You saw how we did the audio in the video and had to do the editing. Anything on that? Uh, I don't really I don't really understand what you're saying. So. <laughs> it's okay. You're, you're five. What what other questions do you have for Mr. DeMeo? Um, do you does who who does like the pictures? Like who? It's all it's it's all a lot of it. Like it's probably like ninety seven percent me. Um, I edit everything. I write everything. I direct everything. Occasionally, my good friend Dennis he'll he'll help me write some stuff and. He, um, he'll, he'll really help. Like if I'm lost and I'm stuck on something, he'll guide me along the way. My wife helps a little bit. She'll do some of my social media stuff, but every videos and the pictures and the videos, all that stuff is all me, all like movie magic. He's and they put it all together. Genius behind everything. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of anything else that you've asked me about. So What's at my- least you're saying like you're gonna take the pictures in his videos. Or- he he makes it all. Oh, yeah, yeah, he makes them. So Isn't that cool? He actually sits there and then he sets up a cool thing. So then it takes a picture of him. Yeah, pretty much. Like I'll set up a camera and I'll sit in front of it, and then I have another device. Like I bet your dad has it. Like a camera that connects to your phone and you can see on your phone what you look like through the camera. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, yeah, I check and I make sure it's all right. And then I film it. And that's it. Gotta a lot make, of times, like I said, my friend Dennis will help me. So he'll look through the camera and he'll set make it. Make sure you're in focus. You don't want to shoot for half a day out of focus and realize yes. Yes. afterwards that, uh, you can't use any of it. <laughs> tell you so many times I've filmed videos and then we finish and then we're like, Oh, we weren't recording the audio the entire time. <laughs> it happens all the time. So, what's your favorite video? I get that one a lot, and I'm always kind of torn on it. Like, because my videos, Ben, I don't know if you watch, do you watch my music videos, like the songs? Do you watch those, Ben? Uh, it's I okay, Ben. Like, I did. This. I think he's watched everyone. I haven't watched everyone. There's a few I haven't seen. So, there's like a lot of kids like my multiplication songs. And then a lot of kids like my fact videos. It seems like you like the you like the fact videos. You like the space ones. So the of the song ones, my favorite song is the nine times table. It's a '90s mashup. 
And I love that one. That one's really fun. It's a good video. So maybe watch it with dad when you're done. But my favorite video I've made is a few. It's the Titanic, which is a favorite of mine. I love that one. Uh, Jupiter Facts for Kids is a really, really good one. And I love my one on George Washington. And there's another one that's on the Sphinx that I love. I love, I just, I like the way they look. You know, they came out really good and they're real funny to me. Yeah. A lot of Andy's like in the George Washington, he's just like joking around with lots of stuff like washing, washing machines. That's always Andy's thing. Andy's thing is always like, if I say something, he's going to pronounce it wrong. So if I say George Washington, the whole video, he'll say washing machine. <laughs> so always, always the, interesting. At the end. And what, hey, Ben, what, what video do mom and dad like the best? What uh, do we dance to? <laughs> Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Herbert. Yeah, Herbert. That's, that's, I'm going to tell you right now, Ben, if you go and you watch my uh, Uranus video. I put a lot of weird songs in there because so many people loved her- the Herbert song, and Jupiter actually makes a return at oh, the end watched. of my Uranus we video. So oh, yes, perfect. Yeah. I made all those weird songs just because so many the kids like Jupiter beat, song. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Get that on iTunes. <laughs> that was that was homemade. I made that from scratch myself. Nice. It was a song that I had stuck in my head. And I was like, man, I've got to, like, go and, like, make this from scratch. I actually have it queued up right here. I have it on an iPad. Let's listen. Ready? Do you know the words? This is an instrumental, too. So you could you sing know it back. the words. Yeah. My name is Herbert. <laughs> you want to sing it? Come on. No. Belt it out. Let's hear it. I don't know. You could have been, that could have been American Idol Part 9, starring Ben. You, you miss it. <laughs> well, yeah, we we crack up. We're like Herbert. What a bird shirt? Yeah, <laughs> like <Eat> Sherbert. <laughs> it's hilarious. The best, the best thing. also has like at the end like <laughs> Herbert song. Yep, he always goes. And, and now for the top ten and the top twenty countdown. He's always like uh, choosing random songs. I also put Space Rocks. Are you a fan of Space Rocks? Uh, you know that? Yeah, that's actually my favorite song in all of these. Yeah, that's that's probably Andy's favorite song, too. He's obsessed with that one. Uh, Not me, though. Let's finish. One last question for Mr. DeMeo. Uh, and it's cool because, honestly, Mike, you've been you've been our teacher for some of this COVID lockdown time. So... We're just hugely appreciative of what you're doing, and I know there's tons of parents out there that are feeling the same way and maybe just not able to reach out or not have the time to do it, but uh, you're doing a huge service for the world. Whether you realize it or not, teaching kids right now is very difficult, so yeah, just want to thank you. <laughs> I, want, uh, I, I want you to like teach everyone because... No one can go to school by now. Yeah, I know. My school's open and other schools are open. Yeah. Well, I always, like, I try to not to, I'm like, a, I try to stay humble and I'm kind of bashful in real life about this this whole thing, but I keep just saying, like, if it helps kids, then I'm all about it, you know? 
Totally. I, I couldn't relate more, honestly. All right, yeah. Ben, let's let's close it with one last question. This better be good. Yeah. <laughs> pressure's on. The pressure's on. What's Let's my favorite it. movie? What's my favorite food? Uh, what is it? I don't know. Here we go. Uh, um. I know there's a certain Italian dish. Do <laughs> you have a question? <laughs> Not any movies about um. Could this come out? Is it one. is it beef? No. <laughs> you probably want to know what um, my favorite type of chicken? tree is. <laughs> What were you going to say? You know what again? I'm talking about. Are you going to say Does again? he eat chicken parmesan? You were wondering. <laughs> we had a chicken parmesan day, Mike. We set up the whole day to make chicken parmesan for dinner. Ben unfortunately learned that he doesn't really like chicken parmesan. <laughs> I think I get that from a lot of parents. They're like, oh, we're going to have a Mr. DeMeo night. And they'll make chicken parmesan and they'll find Crystal Pepsi. And they'll have the whole nine. But I, so many kids are, you know, picky eaters when they're little and they're watching my videos. So, uh, yeah, I think I torture a lot of kids by making them try chicken parmesan and realize they don't really like it. But I love it. There you go. When I was little, Ben, I didn't like it either. I would make my mom make it with just chicken and cheese, no sauce. Uh, and then I got older. Then I got older and now I'm all about it. Now I love chicken parmesan. Uh, as you know. Well, I love quesadillas with like space like spicy sauce and like cheese you put chicken in it or nothing just cheese and and spicy stuff he's he doesn't like meat that often honestly it's kind of weird that's fine everybody's different yeah there you go there we're we're creating new uh new video content for you mike (laughs) quesadillas quesadillas (laughs) tacos and quesadillas Right. I used well, to, thing. when I would teach my class, I would teach a whole lesson. It sounds ridiculous, but to use sequence words like first, next, and last, I would show them a video of me making quesadilla, and their job would be to watch the video and write down sequence words from the steps of me making quesadilla. Uh, Fun fact. Wow. Are you going to take a picture of you eating a quesadilla we're making it, and then talk Maybe. to a quesadilla? There's Maybe. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> You gotta wait and see, Ben. We'll see. Alright. Tell him thank you. Thank you. Well, Ben, thanks for watching my videos, man. Mike, thank you so much for your time. I know Ben really enjoyed that. Have a great night and can't wait to watch your next YouTube video. Thank you so much. Where can people follow you on social media? You could just look up Mr. DeMeo on any social media platform and you'll see me making a weird face. Follow me on there. And that was episode 134. I hope you enjoyed it. We tried something new there. Hopefully parents and kids could actually enjoy that episode together if they wanted. And I think it was actually a really fascinating interview as a standalone episode regardless. So big thank you to Mr. DeMeo for taking so much time big thank you to my son ben for joining me there at the end and thanks again to the patreon supporters in the ad light episode big thank you to exoskin kogala hammer destination trail check out the show notes for a link to not only 
the best discount codes there, but then to check out Mr. DeMeo's YouTube videos. Have a great week. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.